Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox and Friends. It's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're in the middle of the week and so glad you're here. Rich Lowry at the bottom of the hour makes sense of what's going on right now. I love his last column. Across the world, environmentalists leave leave only misery in their wake because we are talking about green, green, green in the middle of an oil and gas inflation cycle. There is a market for this. There is a chance to talk about renewables. We're definitely in think tanks and futuristic meetings and conferences, maybe in Greenland or Iceland, but not in everyday America. But someone's got to tell the Democrats about that. We'll talk about all that, too. And, of course, BrianKillMead.com. If you want to see me on stage, we've got four dates. Uh, we go live, have a chance for me to interact with you. We'll be in Newark. We'll be in Mississippi. Be in Albany, New York, as well as Tulsa, Oklahoma. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. You're seeing ample evidence in the intelligence and in the public domain that Russia intends to try to annex additional Ukrainian territory. Russia is beginning to roll out a version of what you could call an annexation playbook, very similar to the one we saw in 2014. Let them win. The vicious, thuggish, most overrated military in the world, the Russian army, is making gains in Ukraine because the U.S. and NATO are too slow to give the arms they need. Muscle them up now. Stop the slow bleed. Also, keep an eye on the Nord Stream pipeline because the next 24 hours are crucial. Number two. We believe it's shameful uh, that uh, that uh, some governors are using uh, migrants as a political tool, uh, as a political play. Yeah, really? Uh, Shameful? Shameful is leaving the border wide open with 4 million people coming through. A little help would help. New York City Mayor Adams follows D.C. Mayor Bowser and is asking for some bucks for the illegals bust into New York City or flown into New York City. Now they know what Texas and Arizona have been living with, an intentional Biden breakdown at the border. Number one. The more pain we are all experiencing from the high price of gas the more benefit there is for those who can access electric vehicles. Yep, agenda revealed. Mayor Pete endorses pain at the pump. And in order to win over climate crazies in his party in our time of economic crisis, who stands in their way? The courts, the EPA, and Joe Manchin. 
So thankful for that. So let's get started. So unbelievably, in a time in which we're gas in most places $5, a little over, a little under, we see a green agenda taking root again. President Biden is set to visit a closed power plant in Massachusetts sometime today, give a speech about the climate crisis, but will stop short of any emergency declaration until I think next week. And then he's going to come out with stuff. I mean, people are speculating about what he could be doing. They're talking about maybe $300 billion worth of subsidies to buy an electric car. On average, it costs 65000 Maybe you have one that you can get for 42000 Not sure. But they're not made. They're not ready. We got 6,000 charging stations for an entire country with $5 a gallon gas with a way to, instead of drilling that down, why are you looking for an alternative form of energy at this moment, which clearly is not ready to go, while walking away from nuclear for the most part and natural gas, ignoring that it burns clean? So yesterday, if you listen closely, the Secretary of Transportation, the most overrated politician in America, was asking for subsidies on Capitol Hill, at which time he led his agenda and President Biden's agenda leak. Cut one. Is the Biden administration... Um actively pursuing high energy prices in order to force Americans into electric vehicles? Of course not. The more pain we are all experiencing from the high price of gas, the more benefit there is for those who can access electric vehicles. What? The more pain for gas combustion engines? The more pain for those people driving around in cars? I think one, not, not even 1% of the population has electric cars. Do you know most people on average are paying about 78000 67000 uh, for the most part, for an electric car. Most people use it as a second car, not a first car. Now, how many middle and working class people do you know? Well, middle probably. Working class people do you know have an extra car? I'm not talking about a car for the drivers in your family. I'm talking about an extra car. Though That's who's buying electric cars. So if you are the Democratic Party, formerly the working class party, you are leaving all of them behind. So they decide to spend yesterday putting down Joe Manchin for blowing up Build Back Better, which had all this green crap in it, and for not passing many Build Back Better because we have inflation at 9%. He is actually the MVP of Democrats. He just doesn't realize it yet. Congressman Andy Levin, cut four. But to me, Joe Manchin (laughs) is Lucy. He's not Joe Manchin anymore. He's Lucy Manchin. All he does is put the football down over and over, and then as soon as Charlie Brown, like his whole Democratic team, comes to kick the ball, he picks it up and laughs. So the Supreme Court two weeks ago said, or three weeks ago now, the EPA has been overstepping its bounds and starting to strangle coal and oil and gas-producing states. So they've been pushed back. Then Joe Manchin pushes back on the green agenda. And then next thing you know, they're left with one alternative, executive action. I'm not sure what he can do executively, but we're about to find out. In terms of Joe Manchin... He was getting a lot of slings and arrows. Congressman Mondaire Jones, as left as it gets, cut three. It's hard to think of someone who has been more effective at undermining a president of his own party than Senator Manchin. It's not fair to have to string people along for a year and not come to a conclusion. It's not an appropriate uh, way to negotiate. The 50-50 Senate sucks. So that's it. Yeah, Mazziarono, great vocabulary. Uh, Senator Mart, uh, Henry, Martin Hendrick in between there, and then you have Mondaire Jones weigh in initially. Listen, because he doesn't agree with you, 
because he has a backbone. It doesn't mean he sucks. It doesn't mean he's bad. If he decides to switch parties, like Robert Reich suggested yesterday, a left-wing former Treasury secretary, uh, or kicked out of a party or kicked out of his chairmanship, he'd be more than happy to go independent and maybe caucus with the right. And then you could all move out of your big offices, especially the chairman, and into the smaller ones. Because back in power will be the Republicans. For Joe Manchin, he is not backing down, and I don't even think he cares. Cut five. I never strung anybody along. I was the first one to raise the alarm on inflation. I've done it well over a year ago. I saw all the signs and indications. I was told there were 17 Nobel laureates. He said, oh, no, it's, trans- it's going to be transitory. I, in my mind, and what I understood, and the people that have the knowledge, I could come to the conclusion that it wasn't going to be transitory. It's damaging. And right now, inflation is the number one damaging and uh, damaging effect in our economy. It's affecting everybody. Hmm. Right. Remember the 17 Nobel laureates? What happened to them? Just like those 50-plus uh, intelligence experts, CIA directors, like Hayden, who, I, who we were friendly with before we went over to CNN and the dark side, and Brennan, they told us the laptop was fake and typical Russian propaganda. Where are the where are the laureates? Where are the experts? They just put their names out there. They back off the pedestrians in the press, and then the wrongs. This stuff comes out, proves them wrong, and they disappear. Not Joe Manchin. He hasn't. And I've been on the Joe Manchin bandwagon. Everyone told me on the right he's going to cave. He always caved. Not really. I never thought he always caved. There's stuff he doesn't agree with with President Trump. He did thought the corporate tax rate reduction was too much. He didn't want to see any decrease in the upper tax bracket. They took off 1%. So he didn't vote for it. Okay. Doesn't mean he's lying. And it doesn't mean he has not, he's been st- really stalwart in the way he feels about all this. So AOC writes this, or she's quoted in The Independent saying this. Manchin has paused all action for the United States to act on climate for the next four years. So I don't think he has any authority to speak on climate for the rest of our term. Oh, really? That's not bad from the 34-year-old bartender. Declaring a national emergency provides the president broad authorization to act on climate. I think it's an essential step. And we also need to hear what he plans to do with that. So next week, the president acts alone. And the Senate is more than happy to let him act alone. How bizarre is that? Uh, Now that I'm in office, in office I spend zillions raising money, zillions of hours raising money, and zillions to become in the Senate office. I'd like to diminish my impact by giving all my power to the president. That astounds his constitutional attorney, Jonathan Turley. He told this to Laura Ingram last night, cut eight. They then went to Congress and sought uh, climate change and other measures there. Uh, that was blocked uh, by not just Joe Manchin, but about half of the Senate uh, supported uh, his position. So what's the answer now? Well, they're going back to where they began and said, well, the president should go at it alone. And in a Madisonian democracy, it's often as important how you do something as what you do. And going alone is, is counterintuitive to people who think they have pride in being a senator to cut nine. What they're arguing for is for basically a single-person government. They're asking for a president to yield this authority alone. And that is a very dangerous thing. It's convenient, but it's a remarkably short-sighted 
a viewpoint. And when you have these members of Congress calling for their own circumvention, their <laughs> own planned obsolescence, it's something that James Madison would never have imagined. He believed that you could have ambition fighting ambition. But here, the ambition is to become a non-entity in our, in our three-branch system. It's bizarre. It's as if I just gave up a three-hour radio show because I want someone else to do it because they have the same agenda. But if you don't want me to do it and they might have be more, viewed as more powerful, why would I sideline my own career and diminish my own job description in order to push forward on an agenda that perhaps I agree with or don't? Politico writes this. The White House privately fumes about Manchin as the headline, quote, after bending to the senator's demands only to now twice watch it blow up the negotiations in spectacular fashion. Even Biden has expressed puzzlement. The president has told confidence that while he understands Manchin represents a deep red state, he can't fathom why he keeps torpedoing the party's best laid plans. As for Manchin himself, word is filtered through the West Wing that aides need to hold their feet, hold their fire on any attacks. Because they still think they could get something. If they show, then inflation is going in the right direction. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening. We have in 10 minutes, in 12 minutes, we have Rich Larry, But in about four minutes, we have you. one 408 7669 Brian Kilmeade Show. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Tomorrow, we are expected, hopefully, to get the Nord Stream pipeline from Russia to Germany back online. But I want to make it very clear, guys, that even if it comes back, even if they restart it, it's not if, it's how much. It's unlikely Russia's going to restart it to 100% flow. Now, if they go at 40%, which is where they were before, Germany's still in a race to fill up its natural gas by winter. Why do we care in America? We care because this is Putin playing games, playing sort of puppet master, if you will, with Germany, which, by the way, Helmut Kohl, he said we should use Russian gas, but no more than 30%. Over 20 years after that, Germany went to 55% of its natural gas coming from Russia, coming from Putin. Now that gas is at risk, guys. I can't overstate the economic story enough. I know it's a little bit wonky. The economists put it on their cover. If that pipeline does not come back on tomorrow, and there is no indication of when it will, you're going to see Germany immediately ration gas, shut down industries, businesses, maybe wow. like this one, and force people to save gas for winter. Well, that's Brian Sullivan of MSNBC, and it is a big story. It's not wonky. It's very easy to understand that Angela Merkel, East German, probably had a affinity for Russia just because of the way they were set up with the Warsaw Pact. She takes over Germany, and she would not listen to anybody, especially Donald Trump, who said, what are you doing? 
Not only are you doing Nordstrom 1, which was a mistake, you're trying to do Nordstrom 2. So the Nordstrom 1 is now at the bottom of the sea. Nordstrom 2 is. Now Nordstrom 1 still has natural gas. Now Russia thinks they can do without Europe as a customer. Good luck with that. Eventually they'll pay the price. But for now, we have to be an ally, get LNG quickly to Germany, be the answer, save the day like we have in the past for the Germans so they hold the line against Russia. It's so important. And by the way, we have to speed up the arms in the Ukraine to the Ukrainians to let them fight. They got a better fighting force. The Russians have to have a and fight incredible incentives, not quite doing a draft, incredible incentives to try to bolster their ranks. They're running out of people to fight. The deaths are mounting, but we are taking forever to get them the weapons, sophisticated weapons they need to fight off the Russians who can't fight head to head. They hit you with artillery from afar until the whole city is raised, and then they'll go in. Steve, listening online on the Fox News Radio app. Hey, Steve. Hey, good morning, Brian. So I just wanted to give you a little bit of information on uh, Biden's trip here to Somerset. Please do. Uh, to the Brayton, the Brayton Point power plant. So years ago, when Brayton Point was a coal plant, the environmentalists absolutely hammered that plant um, and said, we're not going to be happy until the coal's gone. And let's change it over to, L- to uh, LNG. They changed it over to LNG. And then they still weren't happy. They said that the water temperature in the Totten River where they were using their cooling for the cooling for the, uh, the plant was too high in that it was, it was, it was uh, killing the uh, fish species in the river. They were probably right on that because there's a lot of people who talked about it. So they made them spend billions of dollars to build these two massive cooling towers that stretched up that looked like monstrosities. And anyone can go online and Google the destruction of the Somerset power plant cooling t- cooling towers online because it was everywhere because the towers it was only good for five years the environmentalists didn't stop there they wanted it closed and what they did is they took jobs that were at that facility Amazing. that were paying between 38 and 45 dollars an hour all gone hundreds and hundreds of people lost their jobs i tried to get in there when i was younger as a plumber it was one of the most sought after companies to work for because they were good to their employees and they were good to the houses around there and lo and behold, what it did to a great town like Somerset, which was probably one of the most sought-after towns to live in because the houses were a little high, but the tax base was good because it had the power plant there to help them. When the power plant left, taxes on houses went from $3,000 a year to $5,000 a year, and the town basically had to suck up the rest of it. Meanwhile, our, ta- our, our, uh, our uh, electricity... When a point went up three percent, the minute the place closed. Now we're lucky; we haven't had any brownouts. But these guys are never happy. They don't stop at anything. The money they made them waste to put up those cooling towers, wow. and then push them out was absolutely ridiculous. And Steve, what you represent is not some elitist, some designer, some architect that, or or some industrial engineer that wants to design something. You represent somebody that wants a job and a career and some certainty and and wants to be part of a town and that's what happens they don't care about towns and communities they want to make this transition for some type of global quest that nobody's on board with and if you look at every study you talk about green transition it's about it's about 11th or 12th 
Number one is economic and inflation. Listen, stay right there. I'm going to do an interview with Rich Lowry, then finish up the hour with calls at one 408 7669 Brian Kilmeade A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Is the Biden administration um, actively pursuing high energy prices in order to force Americans into electric vehicles? Of course not. The more pain we are all experiencing from the high price of gas, the more benefit there is for those who can access electric vehicles. Unbelievable. Uh, That was uh, agenda revealed yesterday. Rich Lowry knew it ahead of time. He penned this uh, column, abortion, excuse me, across the world. Environmentalists leave only misery in their wake. This green quest is not on America's agenda, but it's on a certain segment of America's agenda. Mission number one for most of us. It's not in the top 20. Rich Lowry joins us now, editor of National Review. Rich, don't you think we, we got a lot out of that statement? Yeah, I mean, there's this contradiction where they want to pretend that they care about inflation and soaring energy prices, and Biden goes over and begs the Saudis to pump more oil. Not clear they they will do it or can do it at the moment. And then it comes back, and it's all snaps back to this the climate focus again, which depends on chasing the oil and gas industry out of business over the, the medium or the long term and making prices higher so renewables become relatively more affordable. I mean, so these things don't go together. You either want more oil and gas or you don't. And actually, at the end of the day, they don't. So what kind of extreme measures, executive action, are they going to take for the climate crisis, close quote, uh, air quotes, I should say, that he's going to announce next week? An executive action is going to be massive billions for subsidies for electric vehicles. What do you think is going to happen? Well, it, it's it's unclear exactly what he can do while staying within the the realm of the law that hasn't stopped him before. You know, the rent moratorium he extended, even though it was clearly illegal, and then he got slapped by down by the Supreme Court. So I'm not sure what they, they can do exactly. Obviously, he can't spend money on his own. That is, is flatly unconstitutional. Um, and it's just th- this whole way of, of trying to do business is deeply against the spirit of our system. We, we have a Congress, you know, and Congress passes the laws. That's the way it's supposed to work. And if it doesn't pass the laws, well, it's too bad. You can try to elect new congressmen and senators. You can, um, you know, invade against them, or you can move on and try something else. But you can't just do it on your own. And th- this is the the Obama pen and phone governance, and it's uh, um, it, it it just it's another way. It's so hypocritical. They say, you know, our democracy is under threat. Well, we live in a constitutional democracy, and you have to honor the the the, the rules, even if it doesn't go your way. And this is another instance where they're not. We have a great chance to get Europe for ever off uh, the dependence of Russia, oil and gas, but they are quickly getting ahead of the game and beginning to shut it down. Nordstrom won now uh, to Germany and the rest of Europe. So this could be they're asking immediate conservation as in today. Here's Brian Sullivan um, and MSNBC from Germany. Cut 27. Tomorrow, we are expected, hopefully, to get the Nord Stream pipeline from Russia to Germany back online. But I want to make it very clear, guys, that even if it comes back, even if they restart it, it's not if, it's how much. It's unlikely Russia's going to restart it to 100% flow. Now, if they go at 40%, which is where they were before, Germany's still in a race to fill up its natural gas by winter. Why do we care in America? We care because this is Putin playing games, playing sort of puppet master, if you will, with Germany 
which, by the way, Helmut Kohl, he said we should use Russian gas, but no more than 30%. Over 20 years after that, Germany went to 55% of its natural gas coming from Russia, coming from Putin. Now that gas is at risk, guys. I can't overstate the economic story enough. I know it's a little bit wonky. The economists put it on their cover. If that pipeline does not come back on tomorrow, and there is no indication of when it will, you're going to see Germany immediately ration gas, shut down industries, businesses maybe like this one, and force people to save gas for winter. Yeah, absolutely. And guess what? We could provide natural gas. We could go into emergency mode and be the supplier and save the Western world on energy and fortify the fight against Russia. What's the downside of answering Germany's call again? Yeah, well, just the, the idea that you have a, a 21st century advanced uh, economy in the middle of Europe that might have to shut down its industries because it doesn't have enough fuel is just astonishing and goes to three grievous mistakes Germany made. One, shutting down their nuclear power plants. No reason to do it. They're, they have three three more. That the three last ones are shutting down by the end of the year, even while all this is going on. And then, then rushing to renewables, which eventually may be cost-effective and um, efficient but aren't now, and then just saying, okay, we'll, we'll import it all from, from Russia. And I, I don't know whether Russia is going to cut it off now, but I think they're certainly going to squeeze and they may drastically diminish it or cut it off in the winter. And yeah, th- this, this is a, an emergency for the Western world and you know, it's the kind of thing that's going to cause a severe re- recession in, in Europe and elsewhere, perhaps, if it actually happens. And we should be on an emergency footing, uh, drilling and refining all that we can. And of course, we're not. Which we're not, uh, but the president says the gas station owners are the problem, and the oil and gas industry windfield proce- uh, profits are the issues, and he seems to be getting away with it. I think he, his 38% approval rating makes me think to a degree he is not, but to just totally not tell the truth, it's as if you're a football team and you say to everybody, uh, you'll if passing will get you close to the end zone, but you refuse to pass – and then blame your quarterback for not passing. They're not putting their off. They're not doing it with any vigor. I just got to fast forward to also related to this. Germany, for the most part, despite the hardships, only 22% of the German people want the government to curb support for Ukraine. 70% are still into this war. We are giving them weapons, but not enough for them to get start pushing the Russians back I believe, Rich, we got to either go all in or pull out Mm -hmm. the high Mm -hmm. Mars. Don't give them some. Give them what they need to be successful. The long distance, because they are showing that they're starting to push back in Kyrgyzstan, which is a port city. Uh, They blew up a Russian radar system there. It's important for the world to see Ukraine make progress. Yeah. So it, it makes no sense to be halfway in. And give the Ukrainians just enough to, to lose slowly or ha- have some sort of stalemate. At the same time, the Western world experiences all this economic pain. So e- either do it or don't. And um, Biden ha- has been in between, and they've just been slow approving these systems. And if you're going to give them four long-range rocket systems, give them 60. You know, just it, it's you've already you've already crossed the threshold. So give them what they need to try to to hold on or push back in the, in the south. In the east, and then maybe get a deal. I mean, this war is is good for no one um, except for maybe Putin's grandiose ambitions. But even those haven't turned out very well, and we're we're eventually going to need a settlement. Maybe the Ukrainians can, you know, be the 
have an outright victory, but that seems um, not very likely. And you're going to have to have a settlement. And the, the, the better Ukrainians are doing on the battlefield, the better the settle, that settlement will be. I want you to hear what Michael Weiss said now with Yahoo. Uh, he said this about what Ukraine could be ready to do right now. Cut 25. I'm looking at a map of artillery strikes, uh, comparing them from early in, in, in this month and early July, the first week, uh, against what, what we see now. And really, there's been a kind of drying up of Russian battery and, and fire offensive in Donbass. And this is a result of their so-called operational pause in the campaign. Um, I read that also as essentially the, uh, the high-mobility uh, artillery systems that the U.S. has provided Ukraine, known as HIMARS, have really packed a punch. Uh, these things have taken out ammunition depots, command centers, killing as many as 12 Russian military uh, officers, including one general. Uh, the Russians really have no viable response for these uh, NATO standardized artillery systems. And so in Donbass, the situation has more or less stabilized. And indeed, the commander in chief of the Ukrainian forces said as much. And then you watch Vladimir Putin land in Iran, another uh, pariah of a nation, and his right side seems frozen. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's walking with a limp. Yeah, um, it, it's it's not very encouraging. It's not a transparent political culture. Obviously, we're not going to know what's going on with Vladimir Putin until he uh, drops dead. You know, when and if he does. But um, the the Institute for the Study of War, you know, General Keane's outfit, they they had posted an analysis yesterday where they're saying that the Russian play might be to annex the territory yep. they now control, say the Russian territory, and say if you hit and try to take them back, we'll nuke you. Interesting. Uh, That shows a desperation, doesn't it? And it shows the most overrated army in the world is the Russian army. Yeah. Um, you know, they're overrated, but they've managed to grind out these gains because they, they were winning the artillery war because they just out, outgunned the Ukrainians. And, you know, that, that's been somewhat balanced now as we're just discussing. But if you're going to give them four, give them, give them a lot more. Give, give them all, all that they need. So as we look at uh, midterm elections, the Democrats now have two issues, guns and Roe v. Wade. The Republicans have the economy and just about everything else. Uh, how do you see this playing out, being that we're still in July? Well, there, there is some sign that the Democrats have made a little progress motivating their side, and especially motivating now that you know their base voters, college-educated whites, over the issue of guns, Roe, and January 6th is in there as well. And some signs there's a little separation between just Biden just continuing to circle the, the toilet and the uh, the generic ballot, which is holding up a, a little bit better for Democrats. I just can't believe that they'll be able to survive the deluge that's coming. I mean, there's no way you have a president at 38 where at least everyone in that, every vulnerable member in the, uh, the House caucus will be totally wiped out. Maybe they'll do a little better in the, the Senate. You know, Senate candidates can establish their, more of their profile, and you have some problematic Republican candidates. But even there, I think it's going to be really tough. So uh, obviously, you know, they're, they're doing everything they can, but I, I think at the end of the day, it's grasping at straws. Quick thing. Dan Cox won yesterday. He's a conservative who believes that the election was stolen from Donald Trump. Donald Trump took the state lawmaker and backed him. He is a big uh, opponent of the Republican governor, Gar- uh, Governor Hogan, who's a, an, an enemy of Trump, if you guys are following this at home. So right away, Democrats put at least a million dollars to get Dan Cox the nomination, mm-hmm. like they did Mastriano. Yep. But get this, Rich. Mastriano is in a, almost a yep. dead heat in Pennsylvania. What is yep. going on? 
Yeah, well, one, if you think democracy is under threat from these sort of candidates, you don't support them, right? You don't cynically try to boost them in Republican primaries, which is what we're seeing all over the map. Mastriano, you know, Pennsylvania, purplish state, has a has a, a real shot to win. I don't think there's any way Dan Cox is winning down in Maryland. It would be hard. You know, this is one of those states really deeply blue, has a Republican governor who just happens, you know, by happenstance winning the first time and then just his political persona to be, be a, a good fit for Republican, it's hard to replicate that in Maryland, even in the best of circumstances with the best of candidates. But uh, the Democrats are playing a, a deeply cynical game. Uh, just looking at some of the money, Herschel Walker's being outraised by Warnock, uh, fourteen million to eight. Uh, Marco Rubio's got twelve million in small donations. Democratic challenge of Al Deming says more than double that. Uh, the Senator Ron Johnson has brought in five million. Uh, the Democratic, uh, they say, three potential Democratic challengers have brought in more than that. A lot of money's been poured in against him. Do you see why is it if the Republicans have the momentum, the Democrats seem to have the dollars? They do. I'm not. I'm not sure why. It, it, in an environment like this, it doesn't make a, a huge difference. But still, if you're any any candidate, you you want more resources rather than less. And as Carl Rove was pointing out on on um, America's Newsroom, I think it was yesterday. You know, Lindsey Graham was outspent, and and that. South Carolina race because every Democrat in the country decided they hated Lindsey Graham and wanted to make a statement against him and maybe even believe that he could be beaten. And there was a poll or two that had it close, but at the end of the day, it just it wasn't going to happen you know, because it was South Carolina. Um, and I, I just think the, the environment is, um, is, is going to overwhelm most every factor this year. I get, uh, so by the way, the real egregious here, Mark Kelly's reelection has raised $23 million. Mm. The other potential GOP challengers, Blake Masters, Jim Lemon, uh, Mark Branovich, have a total of two. Mm. So yeah, no, that's, we'll that's see. A stunning disparity. And, that, you know, and that, that's a close race where the, the money could make a difference. And, and by the way, uh, Mark Kelly has done nothing. So mm-hmm. he thought he'd be a moderate. Maybe he'd be what Sinema yep. is doing. He has done nothing. Lately, he's been going to the border a few times in a jean shirt. But for the most part, he has been uh, just a, done a terrible job. He does not deserve to keep it. In my opinion, Rich, thanks so much. Hey, thanks so much, Brian. Have a great right, week. You got it. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I appreciate your patience. I see you. See you still on the board. When we come back, we'll go through as many calls as possible. Or if you want to write, BrianKillme.com. Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need to know basis because man, do you need to know? It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Seeing and watching this administration, uh, I don't think they have any original ideas about how to deal with this. Uh, We have a lot of solutions in this country based centrally on fossil fuels. Fossil fuels have changed more people's lives in a positive way uh, than any other substance in the world, any other technology in the world. Uh, We've got small modular reactors. These are walk-away safe nuclear reactors. And our federal government's just dragging their feet, slow playing it. If you're looking for the answers, Mr. President, they're right here in America. You could open up the XL pipeline. You could open up our offshore drilling and our federal lands. So he also went on to say in the Rick Perry interview on Fox and Friends, which you just heard, Secretary of Energy and former governor of Texas, that they're looking to get, they got these very affordable smaller nuclear power plants that they're putting together. And he says, listen, from what I see right now, we could start trying to get allocated to be able to do our own power grid. 
And what they would do is be nuclear powered. And they are so affordable, he says, safe and deployable, my words, that we could do it right away. But you just can't do the federal bureaucracy with nuclear energy is so thick right now. It makes it tough. But it could also immediately help Europe. Let's go to Chris. Listen, WDBR was on there this morning uh, in Orlando. Hey, Chris. Hey, Brian. I uh, I first want to start by saying I believe in all energy. Um, Tomorrow's my 46th birthday, and since the late 80s and early 90s, all I've heard about is climate change and that, you know, we have rising waters and more fires, more earthquakes. I'm in Florida, more hurricanes, more severe. I've heard from Don Carey and AOC the world's coming to an end and it's completely under, uh, the environment's unpredictable. These same people are saying that we have to depend 100% on the said environment that they've been telling me my whole life. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm confused. How are we supposed to live if our environment is so unpredictable and dangerous on just renewable energy? It it should be everything. Chris, they made it a religion. So you can't even talk to them. You can't say, let's be practical. Uh, Obviously, Republicans don't say oil and gas or bust. They say the same thing you're saying. All of the above. Let's push it and make it more affordable. You give me an electric car. I went and bought a hybrid uh, in 2008 during the collapse of everything. And, and you know what they offered? In New York State, they gave you these passes. You had to apply for it. And they let you use the carpooling. And I think it saved me about four miles per gallon tops. Not that much. It was an SUV. But I went out and bought it on my own. I said, well, you know, incentivize. Maybe I can burn clean. Maybe I could uh, go further uh, on the hybrid technology. If you give me a choice, F-150 or the F-150 Lightning, I'll make my own choice. But if you're going to vilify me for choosing the other way, not make it a, make the other one so expensive I can't get it, and then make me feel bad that I don't have it, and then say take the bus if you don't have the money, now you got me angry. And that's when I go into my corner. I go, I'm going to do my own thing. Because you guys are militant. You're not practical. You're not living in this world. And the guy in charge of all this, and thanks for the call, Chris, is flying around on a private jet anywhere he wants because he married a billionaire in the Heinz, the woman fro who owns the Heinz, the Heinz family, who owns all the ketchup and mustard and relish you can imagine. So he could fly around on a private jet, live this great life while destroying ours. And when he's not on that, he's on a yacht. But that's the climate czar. And I'm supposed to sacrifice or I'm selfish? Forget it. Thanks for listening. Brian Kilmeade Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian, How about Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moment to the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's going to be a big hour. We're going to be dealing with Dan Bilek soon. You know, uh, Bilek, I should say, former chief investment advisor to the prime minister of Ukraine, back in the Ukraine now, uh, head of Ukraine Invest. They need some money for this project. They got to win. Uh, and they got to get back on the offensive. And signs are the beginning to do that. And David Sokol's here, chairman, CEO of uh, Teton Capital, chairman of the board of Atlas Corp, uh, chairman of also CEO of uh, NetJets and former Berkshire uh, Hathaway uh, as where he was um, he was CEO there uh, and author of a brand new book, American Perspective, Defending the American Dream for the Next Generation. Before we talk to David, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. 
We're seeing ample evidence in the intelligence and in the public domain that Russia intends to try to annex additional Ukrainian territory. Russia is beginning to roll out a version of what you could call an annexation playbook, very similar to the one we saw in 2014. That was John Kirby, of course. Let them win. The vicious, thuggish, most overrated military in the world, the Russian army, is making gains in Ukraine because the U.S. and NATO are too slow to give them the arms they need, muscle them up, and stop the slow bleed. Also, keep an eye on the Nord Stream pipeline over in Germany because the next 24 hours are crucial. Number two. We believe it's shameful uh, that uh, that uh, some governors are using uh, migrants as a political tool, uh, as a political play. Really? How about leaving the border wide open for two years? I think that's shameful. A little help would help. New York City Mayor Adams follows D.C. Mayor Bowser and is asking for some bucks for some illegals bust into New York City and flown into Westchester. Now they know what Texas and Arizona have been living with for the last two years. An intentional Biden breakdown at the border. Number one. The more pain we are all experiencing from the high price of gas, the more benefit there is for those who can access electric vehicles. Really? Did you just reveal your agenda? Mayor Pete endorses pain at the pump in order to win over climate crazies in his party in our time of economic crisis. Who stands in their way? The courts, the EPA, and Joe Manchin. All right, David, uh, take that on. Do you heard what the you heard what Mayor Pete just said? Right. He what the pain at the pump will force you to an electric car, which will cost you on average sixty five thousand dollars. How many working class, middle class people have sixty five thousand dollars laying around right now? Well, and not only that, but the trick that he's playing uh, on, on the American people is they want oil prices and natural gas prices higher. They've made it very clear and the progressive left's made it very clear. They can't actually say that. No, uh, they come very close, to be honest. I mean, I've sat, they just in, did. I've sat in meetings where, where progressives have said, we hope the oil goes to $250 a barrel because it'll force people off of it. The problem is what they're not telling people is electricity. As soon as – if they ever actually have a plan to create enough electricity to move all those cars to electricity – cost of electricity is not going to be cheap. We may look back at $5 gasoline in the conventional car to, 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 be, to be cheap because the only way we could ever get to, to fully zero CO2 in the U.S. and globally is an enormous investment in nuclear power, more infrastructure from a, from a transmission distribution standpoint, and we are decades away from that. And there is progress with nuclear power, but there's got to be a willingness to use it. After the tsunami that's blanketed Japan, Europe said, OK, I've seen enough. I'm not doing that anymore. And now they're going back to it to a degree, right? Exactly. Now, the problem is that we've allowed the progressives and particularly the environmental progressives to say climate change is the existential issue of our planet. We hear AOC say it, uh, Bernie Sanders and, and, and all kinds of others. But at the same time, they say, but, you know, you can't use nuclear power. Nuclear power is safe. It can be utilized and has to be utilized if this is really the issue. And I'll take them seriously. I'll take environmentalists seriously when they say two things. It, they believe CO2 is the existential threat, and we have to use every tool at our disposal to get there, which we can't do it without nuclear power. Right. Uh, and, but David, could you tell our audience your experience in energy? You spent 40 years in this business, right? Yes, I've, I've been uh, fortunate to start a company back in, in 1983, but in the electricity, natural gas industry, that entire period, a second company that I was CEO of, we sold to Berkshire Hathaway in 2000, a great company today known as Berkshire Hathaway Energy, uh, over $100 billion in assets in, in both utilities and, and natural gas pipelines and storage. Um, and and we, we had, and they continue to have, my partner still runs it, Greg Abel, a phenomenal executive, 
Uh, we had a firsthand seated <clears throat> the, the lack of any plan for this this environmental transition. That's what's really funny. I mean, they call it they talk about the Green New Deal. There is no deal. And, and really, it comes around, uh, Brian, as to why uh, Adam and I wrote this book. It's it's to get people to understand the president of the United States acting on his own does not have the right to force feed us a change in environmental and energy policy. We have a Congress for a reason that was established under our Constitution uh, that requires consensus. Um, and thank God for Joe Manchin. But that's the key issue is, is we've got to get back to where we actually, if we're going to do this, we have a plan. And, and David, you're referring to the fact that President Biden is set to visit a closed power plant today in Massachusetts and give a speech about the climate crisis, but will stop short of an emergency declaration until maybe next week. Nobody knows exactly what executive action he is going to put out there. Some say he's going to get $300 billion and put it towards subsidies to get people to do some type of uh, electric car grant or something to that nature. Do you have any idea what the executive branch is capable of doing? Well, it seems as though they're capable of thinking they can do anything. And it'll, it'll take the courts to, to, to slap them back. The problem is all this is political showboating. We're not doing anything. Uh, following any plan that's going to take us to zero zero emissions. The president and John Kerry, his, his uh, environmental czar, said two weeks ago that if China and India and the rest of the world don't follow what we do, America will have wasted its money. And that's exactly right. So why don't we start with a plan, first of all, that we sell to the American people through the congressional process. And that has to include that we have a full commitment from the other partners around the globe because CO2 doesn't know where it, where, where it's, where it gets And can created. I stop you there? You yeah. know Russia and China are not people that even going to – I don't care what they say. They're not going to do it. And if that's the and case – is India capable of doing it? And if that's the case, we should take modest steps over time to reduce our own CO2 as it makes sense. Which we are uh, doing. Which we are doing, but we should stop all this rush until there is a global commitment to do this. And by the way – if the environmental groups truly believe that the science shows them that this is the existential threat of our time, the fact that they can't convince other countries to take it seriously, you know, tells you something. And and the reality, you know, President uh, President Biden said something else a few weeks ago, actually last year, where he said we have to prove to China that we can make decisions as fast as they can. No, we don't. They're a dictatorship. We are a consensus based of the people republic. And we, we cannot allow our executive to decide that he is now uh, uh, the, the president of China. He's not. Great point. And I know it is frustrating to be in a democracy. I know uh, President Obama has talked about that. President Trump has talked about that. But you've got to get consensus. You're not the king. That's just the way we set up. I kind of like the way it's set up. You're buddies with Joe Manchin. Yes. You're friends for a Yes. Week. He's a great he, guy. So Joe Manchin's getting a lot of heat in the left. I don't think he cares. But he did say this yesterday, cut six. People that are criticizing me, my own colleagues, I understand that. I understand their aspirations. I understand where they're coming from. You know, I'm not, I don't represent the, the states they represent. And the people I have are hardworking people that are getting hurt hard at the grocery store, they're getting hit hard at the gas station, and everything they pay for. With that, not the criticism I'm getting uh, from the, the people who are saying, well, Joe Manchin strings, I'm not stringing you along. Don't you believe inflation is the number one thing in America right now that's hurting every human being, and especially those on the totem pole? So people think, and I'm just worried about this and that and everything else. I'm worried about the person that can't feed their family, you can't basically put gas in their car to go to work, and having a hard time paying utility bills, which is necessity. So I'm sorry. If they don't care about that, I do. I'm more concerned about that than anything. 
what is political? Where's the political agenda there? It's a practical agenda. And the other thing you went on to say in his, another soundbite is that we're the 17 Nobel laureates who said that inflation was going to be transitory. We don't really know where they are. They're probably the same place as the intel experts that told us that Hunter Biden's laptop was fake and Russian disinformation. But he's being somewhat sarcastic, saying, are you guys for real here? You have a theory, and we got reality. Yeah, that's right. And and not only that, and, and by the way, I compliment uh, Senator Manchin enormously. He has also stood up for the filibuster. He's really the only, uh, perhaps one other uh, Democratic senator that is critical to our democracy. The filibuster, you know, the founding fathers, when they established the Constitution, wanted a consensus government of the people, the only nation in the history that's ever done that. Um, you know, it takes 75 percent of the states to ratify a constitutional amendment. It takes two-thirds to impeach someone of the Senate and 60 votes in the filibuster. Joe respects that, even though the unbelievable pressure that the left is giving him uh, he cares about the average person, you know, and he talked about some of those those folks who have voters in their states that don't care about those things. You know, they have blue collar workers as well. And it's a, it's a shame because who's getting hurt today by these crazy policies? Lower and middle income Americans, the very people that this administration says they care about. Uh, energy expert David Sokol is our guest. His book is called American Perspective, Defending the American Dream for the Next Generation. So, so David, a couple of things. I have never worked in the natural gas business, but after talking to so many people in the Trump administration, we're so hopeful to get LNG uh, uh, terminals set up in Europe. Isn't this a time in which we could again save Europe once again with the fracking and natural gas that we have and the need that they have and with the Russians cutting them off again? Couldn't we have all hands on deck to be the provider of natural gas to Europe? Absolutely. And, and quickly, the, the irony of this is, yes, we could. But right now, with the imposition of all the rules and all of the demagogue against the fossil fuel industry, it stops us getting a pipeline from Pennsylvania to Massachusetts. That's right. But all of a sudden, it's OK for us to go to Saudi Arabia and ask for oil. It's OK for us to ship American uh, energy to Europe uh, while we're decreasing our own supply. That's insanity. Uh, the reality is, at the end of the Trump administration, we were energy independent, and in fact, we could go up another 2 million barrels a day comfortably in the next two years had we continued those policies. To 15 million? That's right. We're actually moving backwards towards 10, and it's it's just crazy. You have to transition. And can I things. stop you there? Because people listening at home who aren't in this business and doing 25 things at once from being a parent to being a worker say, didn't we hear the president of the United States say the problem is the oil and gas companies who insist on making windfall profits during this time? And how dare they? And the gas station owner? Can you bring practicality to that statement? Yeah, it's, uh, it's nonsense. First of all, for the president to spend his vice president years and now his president years bashing the fossil fuel industry, threatening Exxon and Chevron that he'll put them out of business and everyone else in that sector, and then to blame them when prices go up is absurd. Um, are they making more money because of what he's done? It isn't something they wanted to do. They want to produce more oil, but they're not being allowed to. And they're, being, and they're not making bets on the future because they're being told they have no future. We, and all of this is being done without the American people's support. Uh, poll after poll shows that the American people do not want to see us uh, destroy our economy. You know, it's th- this entire policy towards – I think of it as, as somebody getting a transfusion because they've got a serious medical disease. They put a port in to take the bad blood out and they put a port in to put healthy blood in. The problem is the Biden administration is taking the blood out but has no plan to replace the blood. And are lying about 
that they are trying to replace the blood Absolutely. and saying somebody else is stopping it, which I think is that's what I'm saying for you. The energy expert it must be maddening for outsiders who just want the result. It's confusing because we hear the president say, you guys are making too much money. You gas station owners stop uh, hoarding the profits. You know, we've been paying money off. Take the uh, per barrel off. It should be coming off. The cent should be coming off the gallon. And it's just not right. And I just think they're taking Americans' lack of expertise on energy for granted. And I'm just wondering this question. We'll go to break, and hopefully you'll have a few minutes for us. Do you think Joe Biden intentionally knows he's not telling the truth, or is he just clueless about your business? Well, to be honest, he seems to be clueless generally. Um, The real question to me is who is making these decisions? I don't think it's the president or the vice president. It's some – some some folks doesn't seem to be Granholm. She doesn't even seem to know energy. No, it's some folks behind them. Uh, no, the entire cabinet. I mean, one of the one of the real dangers we have right now is this identity politics. You know, being being a woman, being a man, being gay, being transgender. Those aren't qualifications. They're, 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 you, that's who you are. Qualifications are education, time in the Absolutely. private sector, running something, be responsible. We have an administration that has none of that. And because of identity politics, they won't replace anybody. Right. And so we are stuck in a very ugly situation. And they're stuck with the worst press secretary ever because she's the first lesbian African-American instead of someone like Kate Benningfield, in my humble opinion, who would have been light years better or Admiral Kirby, who is light years better. They're always looking to fill, uh, you know, to check a box rather than do what's best. In, uh, in my opinion, uh, David's going to stick around. We're going to continue to get his expertise. I also want you to weigh in on what's happening in Germany right now because it matters today. And then uh, Daniel Bilak will be joining us uh, from Ukraine. Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Tomorrow, we are expected, hopefully, to get the Nord Stream pipeline from Russia to Germany back online. But I want to make it very clear, guys, that even if it comes back, even if they restart it, it's not if, it's how much. It's unlikely Russia's going to restart it to 100% flow. Now, if they go at 40%, which is where they were before, Germany's still in a race to fill up its natural gas by winter. Why do we care in America? We care because this is Putin playing games, playing sort of puppet master, if you will, with Germany, which, by the way, Helmut Kohl, he said we should use Russian gas, but no more than 30%. Over 20 years after that, Germany went to 55% of its natural gas coming from Russia, coming from Putin. Now that gas is at risk, guys. I can't overstate the economic story enough. I know it's a little bit wonky. The economists put it on their cover. If that pipeline does not come back on tomorrow and there is no indication of when it will, you're going to see Germany immediately ration gas, shut down industries, businesses, maybe like this one, and force people to save gas for winter. Brian Sullivan reporting for, uh, for another network, used to be with Fox, uh, from Langerfield, Germany. With me right now is, uh, still with us, is David Sokol. David, your reaction to this, uh, this energy into story in, with Russia and Germany and Europe? Well, it's, it's an example of this rush to, to unth- without a plan, deal with CO2. You know, Germany shut down its, its nuclear plants, shut down its coal plants, and, and decided to tether itself to, to an unstable neighbor. 
The Trump administration tried in every way possible to convince uh, then-Chancellor Merkel that that is a serious mistake. Um, they weren't listened to it. So. That was Nord Stream 2. This is Nord Stream 1. Right. So, so what could we do? Well, what we what can could do, they do? Uh, we need to, to, again, have a plan in the first place, but also you know, increase our, our fossil fuel production here, be able to share it with our, with our friends and neighbors around the world that need it through LNG. Um, it's, it's, clean, it's, it's much cleaner than coal. Um, and, and move forward and help them and, 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 and keep people from making decisions to, to do away. You know, energy is the lifeblood of an economy. Uh, when, you, when you lose control of it, uh, you're giving other people control of your economy. And that's why it's so stupid for America to no longer be self-sufficient um, and, and basically turn, turn this over to China and Russia. I know you don't know Russia's economy. You've got 30 seconds. Why would they allow, why would they lose their best customer intentionally? Well, dictators do things that, for reasons that I don't think those of us that believe in a democracy can really get our mind around. <clears throat> it, it clearly isn't based on solid economic discussion. Uh, America in perspective, defending the American dream for the next generation. David Sokol, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Hopefully we'll talk to you again. Thank you, Brian. Where do we get this? Uh, Amazon be the quickest way to do it or through freedomworks.org. Fantastic. Uh, David, thanks. When we come back, we go to the Ukraine. Daniel Bilak will be with us. Uh, he'll tell us what's happening in that war. There's some reasons to believe that Ukraine could get back on the offensive. We'll see. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The Nord Stream pipeline was down in part because one of its turbines, this big engine basically, had to be sent to Canada to be fixed. The turbine is German by Siemens, the German company. They can only repair it in Canada. They had to take it out of the Russian pipeline, but Canada wouldn't take it directly because of sanctions. So they had to kind of go through Germany and bring it back. The Canadian people were really ticked off at Justin Trudeau saying, we've got these sanctions on Russia and now you're allowing a, a Canadian factory to repair one of the machines that makes Vladimir Putin's energy monopoly operate. But then Trudeau apologized. He said, basically, he blamed it on sort of Germany. Germany basically asked us to do it. And we want to do it because they need to keep the natural gas flowing. Vladimir Putin has Germany on a string, guys. And he's kind of playing with that tap to see how much the West might give back. He's ticked off about Germany and Europe's and the West support for Ukraine with weapon systems and whatever. And so he's messing with that tap and putting literally lives at risk in Germany. So it's very interesting. So I hope you're able to follow that because it matters. Also, here's something really encouraging. Despite all this heartache that could be staring straight at Germans' face, so far only 22% of the country want to scale back their support for Ukraine. 70% wanted to continue to show support for Ukraine in every way possible. Daniel Bilek has to feel good about that. Chief Investment Advisor to the Prime Minister of Ukraine and Head of Ukraine Invest is in Ukraine right now. Daniel, welcome back. Uh, thanks for having me again, Brian. So, so, Daniel, first off, without leading the witness, what are things like on the ground? I'm seeing some signs that you guys are moving forward in Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, this is like a slow-moving drama, you know, where you know, we're starting to, to get the upper hand in, in no small measure because we've uh, now started to get really good kit from uh, the U.S., these HIMARS uh, uh, multi-launch uh, rocket systems. Um, and, you know, we've started to – we've been able to go after their supply lines and their, and their ammo depots and their, and their food storage and everything else. 
um, which is freaking them out because before our shells didn't have, we, we, we probably had, because we were using Soviet era uh, artillery and it had a range of about you know, 20 kilometers. And now, now with the HIMARS, we can, we can go to, to up to 80, I think. And so that, 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 that's starting to have an impact, but, you know, Brian, we, we have a, a front line of over 1,500 miles. That's, that's longer than Boston to Miami. And to date, we've got 16 HIMARS uh, units. And, you know, we need a lot more to make, really make a difference and start to take our country back. I just, we, uh, need, we need more and we need it faster. Yeah, I want to pick that up, too. But I want to go back to the original soundbite. And that is, uh, yeah. that is the Brian Sullivan, the reporter in Germany, Talking about this need to get these turbines for Germany for Russian uh, for Russian gas to flow. How do you feel about that? Well, uh, I don't feel very good about it. In fact, I'm, I'm suing the Canadian government over this. Uh, I filed an application in, in federal court uh, 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 last week uh, to uh, to to force the Canadian government to reconsider and to cancel the permit. I mean, you know, we, we, President Zelensky has said we need three things. We've been consistent with this over and over again. We need weapons. We need the right weapons at the right time and the right quantities to make a difference. We need financial assistance to keep our economy afloat. And we need absolute ironclad sanctions. We were told by the United States and the other allies that sanctions were crucial to be implemented in order to, to degrade Putin's war machine and to make it impossible for him to wage war both on Ukraine and on other, including NATO countries that are in his sights. And, you know, Canada had actually put together some pretty robust, I'm a Canadian, I mean, I was pretty uh, uh, proud that we'd put together a really robust sanctions machine and uh, a regime. And, and the first time it gets challenged, we roll it back. And, you know, Brian, this isn't just about a turbine, okay? And this, this isn't benign because, you know, in, in addition to the other things I do here, I'm a member of the Territorial Defense Forces. So I'm, 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 in, the, uh, I'm, I'm in line defending my, my region and, and, and my, uh, my, my town. And, you know, every dime, every penny that goes to Gazprom from Germany is essentially financing international terrorism and is financing Putin's war machine so that he can drop more bombs on my head, my family's head, and the heads of other Ukrainians. And, and this, is, this is what I really wanted to, to challenge because it didn't make any sense. And, you know, this stuff about that Putin said that in Germany's position was, well, if we don't get this turbine, uh, we can't, they can't run the whole uh, pipeline and uh, the, uh, we won't get gas and we're all going to freeze. Well, it turns out that the pipeline is supposed to be turned on tomorrow, Thursday, and this turbine is a spare part that isn't supposed to be put online until September. And so I want to ask the court and ask the federal government. Canada, right. What the hell's going uh, on? You know, what was, yeah, what, what, what was the rush? So uh, we understand that they're looking to, the Russians have a plan. This is their plan so far. Tell me what you think of what John Kirby said yesterday, cut 20. We have information today, including from downgraded intelligence that we're able to share with you about how Russia is laying the groundwork to annex Ukrainian territory that it controls in direct violation of Ukraine's sovereignty. We're seeing ample evidence in the intelligence and in the public domain that Russia intends to try to annex additional Ukrainian territory. Russia is beginning to roll out a version of what you could call an annex annexation playbook, very similar to the one we saw in 2014. 
What do you think about that? They're going to just start annexing things. They're bringing Russian teachers. They're changing currency to rubles. They're putting in their own proxy mayors. Is this happening? Well, yeah, it's happening. This is this is straight out of their, as your as Mr. Kirby said, straight out of the Russian playbook. None of this is a surprise. Um, what what is not happening is that they're not really getting much traction on this. Uh, they can they can plan and do everything that they want, but they need people to play ball with. And so far, especially in Kherson and and Zaporizhia, which are the two areas that they're they're desperate to try to uh, uh, annex, uh, they uh, the the people have been very passive aggressive at. Uh, uh, at, you know, at, at the best, at the at the least, and we have a strong partisan movement uh, that uh, guys are out there uh, killing these uh, these collaborationists and the mayors and and that kind of stuff. To the extent that nobody from you know who is even favorable to Russia in those communities wants to take on these positions because it's too dangerous. So they're bringing people in from Russia. I mean, look, you know, this, this is this this is this is obviously you know they'll they'll ratchet it up. But it comes back to the issues of weapons and sanctions. And if we can have the right weapons, we get them ASAP, uh, you know, we'll drive these guys out of Kherson and, and Zaporizhia. I mean, Brian, this, this war could be over. The defense minister, Alexei Reznikov, said yesterday that, you know, this war could be over by, uh, by December if we get everything that we need in the time that we, we need it. And, you know, for some reason, you know, the U.S. has been great. And the American people have been fantastic, something 70 percent. Of Americans uh, back Ukraine in this uh, in in this in this conflict, I don't think there's 70 percent of Americans who can agree on anything together. <laughs> other than that, but I, I you know we're we're extremely grateful and and you know they for some reason we've only received 40 percent of what's been promised. So I, I don't know whether it's bureaucracy. 40 percent of American promises or 40 percent of of NATO promises. American, American, unbelievable. Yeah, so I'm I'm not sure what's going what's going on, and uh, um, you know, but we we'd really like to have you know that it moved up as quickly as uh, as well. Who as do you possible. talk to? I mean, we're talking to Daniel Bilak, the former chief inv- uh, investment advisor to the prime minister. Uh, now you have a key. Who could you talk to on the American side? And are they are they admitting that it's moving too slow or not coming at all? Well, I've, I've been talking to to people I know in uh, in Congress and and who are you know people who are watch this stuff carefully in uh, in think tanks and things like that. So I mean, all of this is being monitored. It's not hard to do. Um, but so the uh, the Kiev Independent is reporting that the U.S. will give more uh, Ukraine more HIMARS, and they expect to announce a new package of military aid to Ukraine this week. So hopefully, not only will we promise it, we'll deliver it because they are working. So I think for the American people and for your cause and for practical purposes, too, people like to see Ukraine take some some land back. And do you believe that Kyrgyzstan might be the first area in which we could see you guys regaining considerable land or maybe a city? Yeah, no, I, I think that Kherson and, and Zaporizhia, the, their adjacent uh, provinces, uh, they're dug in the least, but they're also being they're connected to Kherson is connected to Crimea, and that's where they're coming from. So you know it comes back to these 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 high Mars and and more of this long range artillery that we can as we advance and we're taking we're taking a number of towns and villages. We've got a couple of hundred. You know it's, we're moving slowly and advancing in that in that area. Um, and you know the closer we we, we get, the the more in range. 
are the are the Russian uh, supply uh, supply lines. And eventually, you know, I hope that we're going to start taking them out in Crimea, because that's Ukrainian sovereign land. It's not Russian territory. And so, you know, we promised the Americans apparently that we wouldn't bomb Russian territory with their equipment, but Crimea is Ukrainian land. And uh, uh, you know, the U.S. The U.S. is, you know, it's, it's in. I'm, I've heard it before. I really won't believe it. They're in it to win it. And if we get what we really need, you know, the American people will will see a free, prosperous, independent Ukraine, which is exactly the kind of values that Americans. Uh, believe in. And Daniel, you can't have your hands in everything, but I'm sure you know that Turkey and, and the and the Russians are speaking about allowing the Black Sea to open up so your grain to be delivered and released. Where's that at? Yeah, that's that's I think it's I think there's close to some sort of an agreement. And then Putin came out uh today and said that uh yeah that's great. Well uh we'll let the grain through but by the way you gotta take the sanctions off uh of, uh, of, uh, or, or remove the sanctions from Russian uh, uh, food products and grain so that we can export around the world. So that, that's not a huge surprise. I don't know how they're going to square that circle. But again, he's, he's chipping away. He sees that he got something on the turbine. He sees that he, he, he'll play for everything he can get to weaken the sanctions regime. And if that, if that sanctions regime gets weakened, it means money flows into his treasury. It means, means he kills more Ukrainians. He does. And the other thing would be, of course, the firing of two ministers, I guess. Do you have some traitors in your midst? Do you know anything about the people that Zelensky has gotten rid of? Uh, it was the head of the, uh, uh, the security service of Ukraine um, and the, uh, the head of the, uh, 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 pro- the prosecutor's office, uh, sort of like uh, the, the FBI and uh, the two branches of the FBI, if you like. Um, you know, it's still kind of murky, but it looks as if uh, there were a lot of uh, people. That, and it's not surprising that the Russians would have tried to infiltrate those two uh, organizations because they have uh, access to uh, really sensitive materials. And there's been lots of talk in the press that the reason Kherson was rolled early and easily, relatively easily, uh, by the Russians coming up from Crimea was that they were uh, tipped off where all the minefields were and, and the key uh, positions of, of Ukrainian defenders. And so, you know, that made their, their, their job uh, considerably easier. So all of this is, is being played out uh, as we speak. Daniel uh, Bilek, uh, thanks so much. I hope these HIMARS get there. I hope there could be some pressure uh, to get the, the stuff that we've given, the money that's been uh, allocated uh, to the people that are fighting to win. Uh, Daniel, thanks so much. Stay safe. Thank you. God bless American people. Uh, I hear you. 1-866-408-7669. When we come back, I'll take your calls, not only about what's happening in the war, what I told you also with one of the nation's premier oil and gas experts, energy experts, uh, David Sokol. Uh, We've given you a lot. Do do want to hear what you have to say because the administration is not on the same page on anything we just went over. What do you think? Don't move. Learning something new every day. On the Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The administration is looking um, at uh, a return to the JCPOA, the Iran deal, to prevent Iran from obtaining a nuclear weapon. 
that's the goal. And you heard the president talk about this on the trip. No problem in the Middle East, none, gets easier to solve if Iran has a nuclear weapon. That's the goal of the Iran deal. You think so? Thanks. The goal of the Iran deal is ridiculous. To trust a pariah nation is already, well, whoever weaponized uranium at 68%, and the deal that's on the table is absolutely against our national interests. Uh, Meanwhile, just a quick note. I'm going to be going back live on stage to be able to chance to talk about America, the history, the way it actually was, as opposed to what we're learning in schools. And also talk about Fox and everything else. It's kind of America great from the start with a mix of winning the war on terror. And it's fun. So Newark, New Jersey, uh, August 27th, New Jersey Performing Arts Center, all WABC. RCN listeners hope to see you out there. That's Saturday. Uh, Albany, New York, the next week, September 8th of The Egg. And then don't forget, I have not been to Mississippi. I've only been there a couple of times, but I can't wait to go back to Brandon, Mississippi, November 12th at City Hall Live. And then Tulsa, Oklahoma, KRMG at the Cox Convention Center. These are big venues. Want to give plenty of time to fill them up. Hope to see everybody out there and about VIP opportunities where I can actually talk to you ahead of time. KRMG uh, listeners, especially over there. Uh, so that is absolutely true. Uh, the Iranian deal is very much on the table, and I think it's kind of sad uh, that is. That is on the table. We don't know the details of it. We know that this, by 2030, has not been walked back. If Iran stays away from a nuclear weapon, even though they've shut out the cameras, they shut off the cameras currently, there are no inspectors there. By 2030, they get a trillion dollars. You believe that? We're giving people a trillion dollars not to build a nuclear weapon. So why wouldn't everybody do the same thing? Because you can get free money from the American people to do something you shouldn't be doing to begin with anyway because it's a violation of international law. So that's uh, the agenda. I also thought this this poll was pretty interesting. You know, we've been talking this hour about this green agenda, uh, about these green policies, not drilling at home, not investing in oil and gas, and not going for nuclear energy, not going for uh, fracking, which is natural gas, which burns clean. The American people are onto this. A CNN poll. 68% of American adults, when surveyed, said the president does not share the, their priorities. That's exactly what we've been saying. They do not share the priorities. We don't even understand where it's coming from. And that's we're just talking about energy, let alone talking about what's happening at the border, shutting that down. Here's uh, what Michael Weiss said about the president's visit to Iran yesterday. That is President Putin, 24. If Putin it feels the need to go to Tehran and sort of kiss the ring, the Ayatollah, as it were, uh, and beg for military and diplomatic support, I mean, there's rumors the U.S. intelligence suggests that they, the Russians might be seeking Iranian drones to beef up their war effort in Ukraine. That's not the kind of situation Putin wanted to find himself in six months into this campaign. Um, as I say, I mean, it, it shows that Russia's kind of running out of options. Putin himself came out just two days ago and said that sanctions are beginning to take a major bite out of Russia's tech sector. Well, by that, I read it as also taking a major bite out of their military-industrial complex. Uh, Precision-guided munitions, for instance, all the electronics of these things tend to come from the European Union and the United States. So he's looking for other markets, essentially, to to, to keep his, his war machine going. And he's finding it in the Middle East, he's finding it in Israel. I hope Israel is just not, maybe they're not taking a stance in the war. I hope Israel is not sharing technology with them. Uh, India is buying their oil. China is buying their oil. Some African countries are buying their oil. The Middle East is still doing deals with them. But most of the free world has walked away. Uh, and let's hope they pay the price. And Ukraine gets their territory back. 
That would be a major win for the president, but more of a win for free America. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I hope you're having a fantastic week and you're back in action now as we move through the summer. I get it. It's hot. But it just makes me wonder. I'm I'm watching, as the president said uh, today, to go uh, out to Massachusetts uh, and stand in front of a closed power plant. I'm watching ABC. I always watch the repeat at 2 in the morning, 2.30 in the morning when I'm up. And I'm watching David Muir. First 15, 12 minutes. We're all about heat wave. Okay. It's a heat wave. Heat wave. All right. I got it. Heat wave. It's the summer. A little bit hotter than usual. Why is that a big deal? Hoover Dam has an explosion. That's kind of a big deal. That was buried in that. We Now we'll find out it's been limited. It's not going to affect anything. Let's make sure it's not terrorist activity. But I just think that it seems as though sometimes there's a symphony between what the president's agenda is and what the networks are doing. But let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. You're seeing ample evidence in the intelligence and in the public domain that Russia intends to try to annex additional Ukrainian territory. Russia is beginning to roll out a version of what you could call an annexation playbook. Very similar to the one we saw in 2014. John Kirby, let them win. The vicious, thuggish, most overrated military in the world, the Russian army, is making gains in Ukraine because the U.S. and NATO are too slow to give them the arms they need to be successful. Also, keep an eye on the Nord Stream pipeline because the next 24 hours are crucial for Europe. Number two. We believe it's shameful uh, that uh, that uh, some governors are using uh, migrants as a political tool, uh, as a political play. Yeah, Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre. Uh, a little help would help. New York City Mayor Adams follows D.C. Mayor Bowser and is asking for some bucks from the illegal for the illegals bust into New York City. The problem is they're not bust into New York City. They're bust into Washington, D.C. They just want money for the illegals that are being flown into these cities. Number one. The more pain we are all experiencing from the high price of gas, the more benefit there is for those who can access electric vehicles. Pete Buttigieg. Letting his agenda reveal, show itself. Mayor endorses pain at the pump in order to win over the climate crazies in his party in our time of economic crisis. Who stands in their way? The courts, the EPA, and Senator Joe Manchin. Brett Baer, chief political anchor for Fox News, back off vacation. His book, still great, uh, To the Rescue, Ulysses S. Grant, The Fragile Union, The Crisis of 1876. Uh, Brett, welcome back. What, what is your yeah? What is your take on Pete Buttigieg kind of letting the cat out of the bag? High prices mean let's just go green quicker. Yeah, he's not the only one. Actually, there have been several. Uh, the Commerce Secretary said something uh, different, uh, like that. Gina Raimondo uh, saying, "The quicker we get to all green energy, uh, the better it is." Some have said there may be some pain along the way, and obviously we're feeling that pain um, now. It's not sellable right now because we just are not capable uh, of making that transition easy. 
and ripping the Band-Aid and causing pain to make the transition politically, I think, is a death knell. And it's going to compound the problems that, that they're having. You know, the president's considering a climate emergency. Well, I mean, there are emergencies in this country. There are uh, energy emergencies. There are border emergencies. There are crime emergencies. But if you look at polls, climate change is down to 1% uh, as far as the thing that is top on people's mind. And it seems like they're just pushing to get down that road because of, you know, ideologies uh, largely from the left. So uh, a couple of things, obviously stopping that. And and to add to what your poll said, a CNN poll shows that 68 percent of the country think the president's priorities are not their priorities. This is one of the priorities. So he's going to be speaking today in front of a closed plant uh, and, and let us know that maybe as soon as next week, he is going to be putting together some emergency climate measures. I saw it speculated that maybe it's $300 billion towards subsidies for electric cars. Are you hearing anything specific yet that you think has, has substance? Not yet. Uh, we don't have the specifics, but clearly there's a push for electric cars. Uh, and they've transitioned some of that money in the infrastructure bill uh, to build infrastructure to support electric car charging stations. And uh, so that's going to be tied in there. Uh, Mitch Landrew, former New Orleans mayor, is in charge of deploying that money uh, in this administration. So they're, they're tying it together, and they're, they're clearly pushing that way. I think, listen, you're going to have, I think, a pushback in November on a number of different fronts uh, the question is how significant it is, and right now, as we look at it, yeah, I hear you, uh, Brett. You had a chance to sit down with Joe Manchin where he made the announcement that the Bill Back Better is dead. You were hosting Fox News Sunday at the time. This time, many Bill Back Better is dead. He saw the inflation number and said no. So here is some of the response he's getting from his own party. This is uh, Congressman Jones, Heinrich Hirono. Cut three. It's hard to think of someone who has been more effective at undermining a president of his own party than Senator Manchin. It's not fair to have to string people along for a year and not come to a conclusion. It's not an appropriate uh, way to negotiate. The 50-50 Senate sucks. So that's it. So that that sucks. So they, you know, yesterday yeah. Robert Rice talking about taking his chairmanship away. Do they understand if Joe Manchin leaves, they lose the majority? I don't think they do. I, I really don't. I think there's a total disconnect. You know, it's not just Joe Manchin. It's Kristen Cinema. It's now a few others uh, that have real concern about inflation. Some of them up for re-election. Maggie Hassan up in New Hampshire. Mark Kelly, not don't hear a lot from him in Arizona, but he's another one. Maybe Manchin Tester? Take, yeah, Manchin just takes the bullet uh, for some of those others. And, you know, yes, it's frustrating for that party, but how about scaling your ambitions to the numbers that you have rather than the numbers that you wish you had? You know, Rumsfeld used to say you fight the war with the with the army you have. Um, 
they are doing FDR-esque things with a very, very slim majority. And you, you study, wrote a book about it. You study in, in FDR's library. This is not the t- case. But remember, President Biden sat down with those historians, being that he had both chambers of Congress in the White House, and he sat there with John Meacham and company and said, how, how much power do I have? And they must have put something in his head that he thought he was going to be co- just czarring over the country. But he got his $1.9 billion rescue package, and then after that, it's been slow going, even though he's got two bipartisan packages to brag about, but he doesn't brag about it. I want you to hear what Manchin said to the criticism. Cut five. I never strung anybody along. I was the first one to raise the alarm on inflation. I've done it well over a year ago. I saw all the signs and indications. I was told there were 17 Nobel laureates who said, oh, no, it's, tran- it's going to be transitory. I, in my mind, and what I understood, and the people that have the knowledge, I could uh, come to the conclusion that it wasn't going to be transitory. It's damaging. And right now, inflation is the number one damaging, and, uh, damaging effect in our economy. It's affecting everybody. So remember the 57 uh, laureate, the 17 Nobel laureates who said it's going to be transitory, just like all those intel experts that told us Hunter, laptop, Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian disinformation? Yeah. No, they were wrong. And people were telling them that they were wrong. And Joe Manchin was the biggest of them telling them. And he's got to vote. Um, people in West Virginia are supporting him in all of his efforts. So uh, he doesn't have to worry about anything at home. I was wondering, Brett, I always bring this up and everyone just says I'm crazy. But why do we do you think that he does not have a shot at the nomination if he wanted to run for president? I don't think it's out of the question. I think that he's seriously considering it. Um, A lot depends, I think, on this. on this midterm and how Democrats react to it. You know, everybody's conventional wisdom is that progressives would never allow it. But if it's the, if it's a Democrat, even a moderate one who can win, um, I think that it's very real. And I hear big, big fundraisers uh, who are very powerful, who are seriously considering uh at least pushing or helping Manchin make that decision. Lastly, uh, just uh, President Trump, I obviously is in town today. Uh, Ivana Trump, his, his uh, first wife, uh, passed away. People are talking about him. He interviewed with Cindy Adams and said, just remember, uh, 74 is not old. And people are saying it's just a matter of when. Do, you, do most political analysts agree, possibly with me, that September would be counterproductive to Republicans' hopes for taking both chambers would hurt their election chances if he announces in September? 100 percent. He becomes the issue ahead of November for some of the races where all of the things that the Republicans are running on go in their direction, yet the one that gives them problems and heartache for answering questions is the former president. Now, he's got a lot of supporters, and in some places it makes a big difference that somebody gets an endorsement. Just last night, uh, this gubernatorial candidate, uh, Dan Cox, in Maryland, big win. It was a lot bigger than people thought it was going to be. Now, he's got an uphill battle in um, 
against the Democrats in the fall. In fact, the Democratic Governors Association spent $1.2 million on this candidate, Dan Cox, the Trump-backed candidate, because they think it's going to be easier to beat him than, than the moderates. So, yes, I think if the former president announces in September, November becomes a lot about Donald Trump. In some races, it's already going to be, but inflation, crime, border, other things are leaning the Republicans' way. All right, Brett, have you named your panel yet? And uh, are you trying to get uh, Mrs. Zelensky, who's speaking right now uh, on Capitol Hill, as a guest on your show? We have. We have been trying. Uh, we're, we're hoping it works out. Uh, Britt Hume's going to be on tonight. And uh, we may get a COVID update uh, from the CDC or uh, the head of uh, COVID uh, at the White House. You know, it's interesting to watch some of these states go back to masks, and I think much of the public has moved well beyond that. In San Diego, they told the kids if they have a problem wearing masks, stay home. Unbelievable. Uh, in San Diego, yeah. it's, that's how it's playing out. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brett, uh, I'm not wearing a mask now. I hope you're not either. Uh, Brett, either, either am I. Good. Uh, Brett, have you named your panel? I have not named the panel. I've got some, some scheduling issues, Brian. So if you're available, <laughs> ah. let me know. All right, uh, just talk to your people. It's, I don't work for free. <laughs> I don't, I'll just give me whatever Juan Williams gets, then I'll be happy. <laughs> All right. Fred Fair, thanks so much. Uh, when we come back, Martha McCallum joins me, and uh, we'll be taking your calls, one 408 Expanding your knowledge base, it's the Brian Kilmeade Show. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. What you have is a power elite which thinks that climate is the emotional excuse to control the rest of us. Uh, And this goes all the way back to a Robert Heilbronner article in 1992 when he said, now that the Soviet Union is gone, we need a new excuse to take control. And climate, the environment, is probably the best excuse we're going to get. Newt Gingrich weighing in yesterday. Martha McCallum will go weigh in now. Host of the story at 3 o'clock. We're uh, happy to have her here on Fox Nation. Heard around the country and around the globe. Uh, welcome back, Martha. Hi, Ryan. So do you believe this is a Democratic agenda uh, item as, as opposed to solving our problems? They're looking to check a box led by climate czar John Kerry and his, uh, and his private jet. Yeah. And, and his yacht. And yeah, it. I mean, there's just no end to the hypocrisy, and it, it it makes me it kind of makes my skin crawl actually to listen to him talk about uh, how important the work that he is doing as he, he travels around and all. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I, I have no problem with somebody flying in a private jet, um, but if you're going to be the climate czar. Uh, then I think that you might want to rethink the way you're living your life. But he's, he's just too important. He's too important to have to be you know stuck on a commercial flight. But in the larger part of your question, Brian. I, I'm not someone who sees a conspiracy under every action. I think that most things that happen in the world um, are, are less intentional than that, although we like to think they are. However, it's almost impossible to believe that the United States believes, the leadership of the United States believes that by taking unilateral action in this country, by making it more expensive for people to drive around by trying to force them into electric vehicles that we don't have answers for in terms of electric power on them or how to get rid of the batteries over time. Um, we'll have, will be such a drop in the bucket unless you have China and India 
coordinating in a global effort to bring down CO2 emissions. And, you know, we remember that deal we had that we got out of was like China was like, we'll start thinking about it in 2030. And we signed off on it. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. That sounds good. Um, So it is it's tough to think that there isn't some sort of ulterior motive in here since it's so ham fisted and it makes absolutely no sense to tie our own hands uh, and make things more expensive for the people of this country with out any other plan already in place. And we're going to hear from the president today. It's going to happen at 2.30 this afternoon uh, as he talks at a power plant that powers windmills. And I'd be happy to talk about windmills in the water, uh, which is it's something that I've kind of become obsessed with. Um, he's going to talk about the, the advantages of that today. But he doesn't want to push. Just one last thought here. All, all we keep hearing this week are the things that the president could do that he doesn't want to do. Right? He talked about National climate emergency, right? Oh, no, the president's not going to do that. There's been a lot of internal debate at the White House. They really can't decide if it's going to work. It might not get past the judges. Then, you know, this other act, should we make it so that uh, we can federalize the right to abortion across the country in some way? Oh, we're not going to do that either because we're not really sure. There's a lot of infighting at the White House over whether or not that would work and get past the judges. It's like they're just like tiptoeing up to the edges of things saying, oh, we're going to do this national, you know, executive order action. And then they go, oh, I don't think that's really going to work. And they step back. So where the president stands on these things, who knows? Well, the Secretary of Transportation was speaking yesterday trying to get subsidies to support electric car purchases, which are going to cost on average $67,000. Cut one. Is the Biden administration um, actively pursuing high energy prices in order to force Americans into electric vehicles? Of course not. The more pain we are all experiencing from the high price of gas, the more benefit there is for those who can access electric vehicles. Really? Yeah. The more pain at the pump. There are 6,000 power plants uh, to power your car in the country, hundreds of thousands of gas stations. And he thinks if we just all got electric cars, we wouldn't have a problem. We wouldn't have to go to Saudi Arabia. We wouldn't have to worry about Russia. Well, we didn't have to worry about those things a short time ago. We understood the resources of natural gas that were in, that are under this country and the energy independence that we experienced from it. And we threw it all away basically on day one of this administration. So it, it, you know why people are angry about gas prices? Because there was too much intention in it. That's why they're angry. You know, if it's just sort of a natural, oh, it's all because of what's happening in Ukraine, people wouldn't be angry, but they're angry because they understand the intention. And they, they don't believe it when the president says it's Putin's price hike. By the way, when oil was down, so was Russia. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Republicans' favorite hobby is to make conspiracy theories out of everything to distract you and keep you from talking about what's actually important, which is the fact that they are trying to take away your right to bodily autonomy. If I was faking that, why would I intentionally fist pump somebody? It's so silly. Oh, my gosh. Martha McCallum's here. Her show starts at 3. Oh. But Martha... Now, I'm just watching this video while we're playing that. She sort of like half smiles, tosses her hair because she can't push her hair back with her hand because her hands are tied behind their back. Oh, wait, they're not. They? They're not, actually. So I'm going to fist pump. I mean, you know, I, I think about the civil rights protests. I think about Vietnam protests. You think about the fact that the people who were doing them did them at personal risk, right? Yeah. Because they were so deeply invested in, in the issues at hand. Martha Luther, Martha Luther this King is such a phony. It's, it's so phony. And, and also think about the fact that we're not seeing, we've seen, you know, some attacks on some 
uh, pro-life centers. We've seen things. We've seen those bizarre attacks of like the people, you know, with blood all over them. And that kind of stuff has happened. It is a serious issue in America. This is something people do debate in a serious way. But we're not seeing sort of organic protests across the country. We're not. not. We're not seeing grassroots organic protests breaking out across this country. And what we're seeing is this phony baloney stuff that is happening. And they have an ability to pass legislation. They have, you know, they're, they're members of Congress. So this is obviously, it's for show. And, and you know, that when you put your hands behind their back and they're not handcuffed, that's the definition of, of fake. And by the way, her explanation is ridiculous. Uh, why would I be fake if I was fist bugged me? Well, how could you get your hands free if, your fist, if you put your fist in the air? But it uh, makes no sense. But the other thing is uh, the vice president of the United States in New Jersey First meeting with a state legislator to find out how desperately to keep abortion in play. And then she gave a speech and she's comparing Kamala Harris is comparing abortion to slavery. Uh, Let's listen. The United States Supreme Court took a constitutional right that had been recognized from the people of America, from the women of America. We know... NAACP, that our country has a history of claiming ownership over human bodies. And today, extremist so-called leaders are criminalizing doctors and punishing women for making health care decisions for themselves. So I guess we're comparing it to slavery. Does that work for you? No. I mean, again, there's just there's just a disingenuousness about the way this is being discussed. First of all, this decision by the Supreme Court was not to take away a right that was in the Constitution, a constitutionally protected right. This was a question. This this law was debated from the very beginning as not having grounding in the Constitution. Ruth Bader Ginsburg had issues with this uh, this decision of Roe v. Wade in the first place. And I, it really bothers me that people don't talk about it in real terms. What has happened here is that it was returned to the states, which makes it a more democratic process. People in each one of those right. states, New Jersey is not going to lose the right for an abortion. Okay? Neither is New York or Neither is New York, neither is Illinois, neither is Massachusetts, neither is Colorado. I'm in California. I can go on and on, right? Um, the other thing is that 60% of all abortions in this country aren't done in clinics anymore. They're done by prescription pills that arrive in the mail, okay? So the idea I that, did not know that, by yeah, the way. Yes, 60%. I did not know that. And abortion is down 20% over the past 20 years in the country. So we are, as a country, moving away from abortion. We're moving away from these kinds of clinics. We're moving into a different uh, area where these issues are taken into people's own hands. And, the, and that is the one area that the White House is thinking about protecting, this pharmaceutical access across state lines into states where it is now illegal. So that, that's a question. Will there be a Republican pushback on that? There will be in some places. I mean, I would imagine in a place like Mississippi, for example, um, where, where they have yeah, where they have zero right to abortion, that there will be pushback on, on obtaining those pharmaceuticals. My guess is that uh, an organization like Planned Parenthood makes their whole future all about this, about protecting that right, because what we're seeing is a decline in, in use of, of clinics, which well, I think most people would say, I mean, Democrats used to say they wanted abortion to be safe, legal, and rare. And Martha, rare. I know that something else that has been pointed out in your show, to extrapolate from the decision 
decision to say same-sex marriage is going to be banned, interracial marriage is going to stop, people are going to go to jail if they're caught, and is it, let's say, for example, a Mississippi, Nebraska resident getting an abortion, you're going to go to jail, you're going to be prevented from going across state lines. All this stuff is not rooted in practicality or and they're not honestly addressing anything. What they want to do is make it bigger than it is. Yeah, I mean, AOC was talking about ectopic pregnancy. That is not included in, in these laws that are being put into place in, in around the states. But the fact of the matter is it's about people going to vote on referendums, voting for representatives who support the, what they believe with regard to abortion. And if you don't, if you're you know so incensed about this, you do have the option to move to another state where they re- respect the right that you believe you have. Um it is. I think it's been a very disingenuous and disingenuous conversation. I also don't hear people talking about it as a number one issue that they're going to vote on. It used to be, you know, abortion used to be a single issue voter uh, sort of drive that we saw a lot. When you look at the polls, about 70 percent say that it's an important issue for them. I would imagine that cuts a little bit both ways in terms of whether they're for or against um, so we'll see what happens with people really do vote on this. And the thing is, uh, how see how this plays out is what John Roberts wanted as a compromise: fifteen weeks, right? Mm-hmm. He wanted to knock right. it down from twenty-four to fifteen. That's where Governor Youngkin is in Virginia, right? And it's going to be interesting to see what DeSantis is. We know he's as conservative as it can be, but he's going over a state that is red. That's but right. Not, it's not, and Oklahoma. he doesn't talk about it a whole lot. It's not Wyoming. Right, but so that's he, the whole point. He recognizes the state that he lives in. He knows that that where you know that people probably would look for something, some sort of a compromise. Most of Europe is at fifteen weeks, which is a lot less than we are at here in New Jersey. You can get an abortion till the ninth month. I, I, okay? I cannot get my head around that. No, I, I can't either. Um, so I, I think when people talk about it in real terms and they say, well, you know, when you're four months pregnant, I mean, speaking as someone who's been pregnant three times, like four months is a long time of pregnancy. Okay. And that's, you know, roughly around 15, 16 weeks. Um, so I, I think that's a, people are reasonable, more, much more reasonable on this issue than, than most people are giving them credit for. So I want to, I want to talk about crime. We haven't talked about that uh, all show. I actually didn't even talk about it much this morning. On Fox and Friends, but uh, we are finding out as you study crime, and even Democratic mayors are realizing it is killing their party, if not their own personal careers. Because when you're a victim of crime in Illinois, in Chicago, in New York, in Philadelphia, in Los Angeles, in San Francisco, they're finding out the one commonality is it's the same people. Mm-hmm. The same people. It's not you. Not that criminals are, the number of criminals are growing. The criminals that usually were jailed and take out of society are allowed to be back. Mayor Eric Adams pointed this out yesterday. You could have a meeting with your district attorney. You could have a meeting with your governor. But instead, he addressed the press because crime in New York is up almost 40 percent. Cut 35. The goal is this continuous battle of making sure dangerous people that are arrested are prosecuted, go through the criminal justice system and off our streets. We continually have this catch, release, repeat mindset. We got to get that under control. Well, no kidding. Right. Right. Absolutely right. Have we been saying that? Ray Kelly, Braddon, they did this study a long time ago. These ComStat people do criminal justice for a living. What is the what is the significance of him making that statement? Is it because he doesn't have the doesn't get anywhere talking to his party behind closed doors? I think that's part of it. I think his message is that if I speak to the press, you know, maybe I'll start to get a little bit of a tra- of traction in places where I can't get it. Um, I, I can't understand how all of these folks in his administration or in uh, in his city council don't realize that they're all going to get voted out of office. I mean, there is if such- there's a Republican alternative. 
A- absolutely. And Zeldin seems to be a legitimate, even though they're outnumbered two to one, Democrats to Republicans. But it, yeah, I mean, even in places where, you know, and I think that when you look at the mayor's race, right? I mean, that this is why Eric Adams won, because New York is obviously a blue town. Uh, New York City is a blue town. Um but he was the most conservative Democrat that they could find, former mm-hmm. police officer, going to be tough on crime. That's why he was elected. I think he gets that. He says all the right things. He's like, we're not going to have these tents anymore in the parks. We're going to clear them all out. He's done some of this. I, I think he's got a really tough job. I still want to sort of give him some opportunity to succeed here because he does say the right things. I think he's more aware of the problem than – I mean, look at, look, at, look at how out of touch de Blasio was. You know, even to think that he could be president or a member of Congress, he's now dropped out too. But I think Adams gets it, and I, and I just, um, you know, I think all anybody who loves the city of New York would love for him to, you know, get just continue to get the kind of support that he needs to carry some of these things out in the legislature. But it's it's a tough job. So if any republic wants to be elected, especially Lee Zeldin's got some legitimate yep. credentials with military background, a conservative, Trump yep. backed but not owned, uh, like let's say Ron DeSantis was inextricably linked to Donald Trump. Youngkin wasn't, but liked him. Hey, mm-hmm. thanks for the endorsement. I'm going to run my own race. Yeah. Zeldin knows he could have to run his own race. They say if he wants to win, all he should be, he should be focusing on crime mm-hmm. and that DA. And I think it's authentic, too. It's not yeah. a risk. You're not talking about same-sex marriage or anything like that. But the more, but if he talks about, I want to have the Mississippi law when it comes to abortion, that's bad politics if you want to win in New York. doesn't mean he's a bad person or a bad Republican. Republicans want that statement. A lot of them want that statement or hit the road. I think they have to understand the state they live in. Absolutely. Everyone has to understand the state that they live I in. I think so. But right? I mean, I mean you have to. talk no, to you, oblivious? I, I know. You have to. That, I mean, that's why you see, you know, Lee Zeldin in a different posture. You see the Colorado governor in a different posture. I mean, Jared people under, Absolutely. People understand. Um, and that's the whole point of a democracy. They're supposed to represent the people who vote for them and the things that matter to those people. Um, so I, I completely agree. I and mean, when you look at these numbers – you look at the photos that you see every day in the New York Post of like I saw this one yesterday of like this young girl who got like her hand was broken, her face had been punched in. Um, it's crazy what's For happening no in the reason. city. It is crazy. Nothing. And we also have to get, you know, there's all these crazy people on the street. They need to be off the street. Right. And someone needs to get serious about figuring out a way to do that. We we just destroyed all of these mental health institutions in the city. Just you know, determined that if you just give people medication, they can be mainstreamed and live in in the in the rest of civilization. Not everybody, no, no. And I don't think I have to tell you that a lot of people behind these school shooters are on antidepressant medication. Absolutely, and and that's what's sending people over the top. And I think we have a chat. We got to do more than read the jar. Absolutely. Um, listen, when we come back, Martha McCallum will do the favorite thing she does all week. You might think she enjoys mm-hmm. time with her family or on vacation. Not as not much really. as not as much as as uh, more, more than now. now. Not that's as much. my number one. Absolutely. Are you worried that your kids are listening? I just went on a little vac- little two days off with my family, and I'm I was it was so much fun. But I'm super excited about more than now. Sorry, sorry, McCallum family. Back in a moment. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
But Biden came out as a really sleepy, sweet grandpa. And he was like, he's always repeating this story. Yeah, yeah I went to Scranton. Scran I grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania. My dad, my dad lost his job. No joke. I'm not kidding around here. No, no human being in the world thinks that's a joke. Nobody. Is anybody who lost his job? And then, you know, dad, like, then he would do the number thing. Number one, the one part. Number two, what the guy said. Number three, you know the drill. Come on. No, we don't. So, yeah. Now what he does is he kind of whispers and then he yells. If you know, I think it's a wonderful move. Don't you love it when he's like, we know how to get natural gas. Because we can get it. We know how to get it. That's what we do. We gave the people, the private, the public, the private, the pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. <laughs> David Carvey saying, oh finally, a comedian gosh. saying what he believes and sees. You know what also we should look up, uh, uh, Allison? Jason Sudeikis. When it looked like Biden was out of it, Jason Sudeikis gave like an authentic parody of Joe Biden being out of it and just being oblivious. But when he came back into it, they brought in the other guy that made him look like a legitimate older president. Well, it's very interesting what's happening, right? You've got yeah. Jimmy Fallon. Saying, oh, Fauci's resigning. Hey, maybe Biden should think about that, too. Wow. I didn't right? know he said oh, that. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was sort of, I'm paraphrasing, but but that's definitely the sentiment of it. I think that's fair. Um, you have Colbert coming out with aviator glasses on and getting all angry about what happened in Saudi Arabia. Um, you have... By the way, Dana Carvey used to be funny. We'll usually try to find humor in that rather than yeah, lecture yeah. in that. Exactly. Dana Carvey has been doing that Biden Im imitation, though, for a while. It's getting harsher the way that he's doing it now. But he is so funny and so brilliant and in, in the way that he's doing that so when you when you're losing like so biden look at the polls right he's losing women he's losing independence he's losing hispanics, hispanics. He's, now he's losing late night and comedians right. that that that's a significant cultural shift that you're seeing in the country on the left let's find out if there's even more for martha to know more to know should we go ladies first okay so I've been following this Musk case really closely. I find this whole thing fascinating. Elon Musk and, and Twitter. Elon Musk against Twitter. Remember when Twitter didn't want Elon? They, they said he was basically the devil. No, you can't buy our company. You're going to ruin all freedoms in the country. Then he was like, I'm going to give you $44 billion. And they said, okay, right? So he was going to take them private. Now he wants to, to drag it out and say, you know, we're going to figure out how many fake users you have on Twitter. And I need till November, my legal team, to actually figure out the answer to this question. But he lost that. So the Twitter judge in Delaware, where all companies are incorporated and where they do a lot of this kind of thing for mergers and acquisitions, legal issues, uh, she's like, no, no, no. It has to happen, uh, I think, August. You know, in the next couple of months, you guys have – you're going to be in court for four days in August. So he lost that part of this battle. So he might be forced to buy it. But the thing is the value. The question is the value. And one thing he wanted is if he legitimately wants to find out how many real users there are – a court will make them find out how many real users they have. Will Twitter come back and say again, I can't tell you because it's privacy. See, I don't rules. think it's going to turn out to be about that. I think it's going to turn out to be about what he signed away in the agreement. And he disparaged the company after after he said, I, you know, I, I won't go after the company. And then he did. I, I think they're never going to get down to the bot issue in this is my Next, prediction. Next, down to the bot issue. 
Fauci flip-flops on his own retirement. Quote, I may step down from my current position at some time. He said, I will step down at the end of the first term of Joe Biden. But now he's hedging. He Why? can't imagine life not in control. He's already like <sighs> eight. How old is he? He's like 82 already. He's been in that spot for as long as any of us can remember. Do you think that Democrats are starting to realize that this guy is full of it? He's been misleading all the time, never admits when he's wrong, and is terrible at baseball? <laughs> You mean because he told us that masks were not necessary. You didn't need to wear a mask. And then he told us that masks were necessary. Then he said that two was better than one. Then he said the vaccines were going to change our lives. Then the vaccines didn't change our lives. Then he said you need a booster. Then he said you need another booster. You mean because of that? A little bit. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Next. Oh, Netflix uh, only loses 970,000 subscribers after projecting 2 million would pull the plug. So that's good news. Uh, so uh, that means they their stock went up, but I don't get it. Do you get it? I mean, I'm I'm happy for Netflix. I don't want to see any other well, movie industry pay the price. People get fired, even though they're trying to be politically correct all the time. But you are losing subscribers still. Why would you think that's a good bet if you're if you're an, an know, investor? A, yeah. Well, whenever they do better than the projection, uh, investors think that there's a little bit of opportunity there, right? So if it, if the analysts all thought they were going to lose two million, they only lose nine seventy. In Wall Street speak, that's a good that's good news. Justin Bieber's world tour will resume after recovering from Ramsey Hunt. He had some facial paralysis. He announced Tuesday that he'll fire back up at the end of July. That's pretty good news. A lot of people have seen some weird diseases and wondering if it's linked to the vaccine. Have you been hearing that? Mm. I'm not saying it's happening, but I do think it's kind of odd. Yeah, but then you, on the other hand, you also have people who had COVID who still have you know some weird lingering effects as well. So all around, you know what really makes me angry in this what? story? The origins of this disease, because I go back to an interview I did with Dr. Robert Redfield a long time ago. He said the reason this thing keeps spinning off at new variants is because it was souped up in a lab to do exactly that. Martha 3. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.